Today on Watching Your Wealth, how women entrepreneurs can get funding for their businesses. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Adrian Penta is executive director of the Center of Women and Wealth at Brown Brothers Harriman. Welcome back, Adrian. Thanks, Veronica. Great to be here. Great to have you. So, Adrian, tell us about the situation in terms of this funding gap. How real is this gap, and can you quantify it for us? Unfortunately, the funding gap is a real thing. So women businesses, women-owned businesses are getting less funding, and by funding I mean all types of funding, whether it be debt or equity, seed funding, angel funding, private equity, venture capital, um, all types, than um, businesses that are run by men. So to put some numbers to that, starting with debt, so women only get 4% of conventional small business loans right now um, go to a woman business owner. Only 3% of total VC dollars, venture capital, are invested in a company with a female CEO. And I think that's the area that we hear the most about when we're talking about the funding gap is that so much venture capital um, still goes to companies run by men and so little goes to women-owned companies or women-run companies. And then when you get to angel funding, um, only 19% is received by women. At the same time, women entrepreneurs are doing incredibly well. They're running big businesses. They're generating $1.5 trillion of revenue annually, and they're actually performing better. Businesses with a woman on the executive team are more likely to have higher valuations at Series A, 64% higher. That's all very encouraging. Wondering, though, some people may say, well, women aren't getting as much funding because there's not as many business women business owners. What do you say to them? I'd say there's lots of women business owners, and um, we we know that they are out there and they are looking for funding. And I was chatting with a woman business owner who's um, very successful the other day, and she said that she pitched 250 venture capital funds and got no funding. Wow. Eventually, she decided to take on a strategic investor versus um, a VC. And so we we know these stories. We know that they're out there. We know that women are starting businesses at one and a half times the national average. So there's actually more women than men starting companies right well, that's now. That's good to know. So tell us what's happening. Why are they struggling <clears throat> to get funding? So I was, I was in a meeting yesterday with two women who are running their own VC fund, and I asked them the same question. What are they seeing and what happens in these rooms? And they said, unconscious bias is alive and well. And um, they, they said to me that, you know, they're, that we have, you know, pictures of what successful entrepreneurs look like in our minds. And women often don't fit that bill. The stereotypical images that we see are usually men wearing hoodies, you know, um, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or or men that look similar to them. It's just not how people perceive of successful entrepreneurs. Although nothing's further from the truth, um, I think it's shocking to realize that the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the United States is black women. And the number of businesses owned by African-American women in the U.S. has grown 322% since 1997. I think we just need to raise our consciousness level about what entrepreneurs look like and what do they sound like. And it's not always, always what we think. 
I heard it's also even more difficult for minority business owners to get funding. Is that right? It is. There's, um, I, I saw a statistic a couple days ago that only 11 African-American women have raised a million dollars or more of funding which is shocking. You can count them on two hands plus one. It's really just an incredible statistic to think that there's only 11 um, African-American women out there in the U.S. that have actually gotten that level of funding. So it's not it's not only women. It's not only minorities. It's um, There's really a lot of different issues, I think, around um, how we view entrepreneurs and how we perceive of them. There was um, a recent experiment done in Sweden, in fact, where scientists actually ran an experiment observing what venture capitalists say um, when entrepreneurs leave the room based on their gender. And the words that they used, not surprisingly, to describe the average male entrepreneur were promising, experienced, knowledgeable, capable, you know, generally good things. And the words that they used to describe women who are entrepreneurs when they left their womb were words like inexperienced or careless or lacks ability to scale. Um, so the language that we use and how we describe the, the folks, the entrepreneurs that are sitting in front of these potential funding sources is just very different. Um, it doesn't help that most of the people in VC and private equity are still men, that there's very few women um, in either of those fields. And we know that women partners in these funds are more than three times as likely to invest in companies with women as CEOs. So oh. part of the issue is we need more women in venture capital. In that side of finance, indeed. What else? So women, you know, hopefully we'll eventually get more women in as VCs. But in the meantime, what can women business owners do to get more funding? It sounds like many are already being very proactive, but can we even be more proactive? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think there's an opportunity for a couple different, um, a couple different maybe less conventional ways to think about securing your first funding. And the first, and I give this advice, um, whether it be founders or women who are starting out in a lot of different ways in their careers, but your network is really a valuable resource. And so, so many business owners, so many founders spend most of their time with their head down, focusing on the fundamentals of scaling their company, which is really important. But just like you won't necessarily get a job offer by sending out 100 resumes, you're not necessarily going to get funding by sending out 100 pitch decks. So I would encourage anyone out there who's building a company, who's thinking seriously about raising capital, is to think about your personal network. Think about how you can continue to grow your network. And think about those who are already in your network that could potentially connect you with capital, whether it be angel or seed or VC, because a warm introduction is usually much, much more compelling than simply sending um, a cover letter with a short deck which may never see the light of day. It may never actually get to the person that you intended to get to. So, you know, the value of your network um, and spending time creating your network, I don't think can be underestimated. And there's lots of ways, I think, that women founders and women entrepreneurs can get out there and build their network in ways that feel authentic to them. There's lots of organizations that are focused on supporting female founders like Alley to the Valley or um, Capital W, which is here in Boston, um, started by um, Cheryl Marshall or Mass Challenge or Women Funders and Founders Connect, which is on the West Coast. There's a lot of organizations and a lot of a lot of folks in this ecosystem who are interested um, in helping women find the right source of funding. 
What tips do you have for us to keep our confidence up? Because it sounds like there's a good chance we're going to hear a lot of no's when we're asking for funding. I I think that's right. And I think that confidence is an issue um, that's core to this whole conversation um, because and I'd encourage everybody to go out and buy Claire Shipman's book, The Confidence Code, because I think it's really interesting just the way that women um, perceive confidence and show confidence and think about confidence is very different than men. Um, We tend to be a little bit more transparent about what we think our our strengths and weaknesses are, which may not be helpful when you're pitching your business or or asking for funding. So, you know, know, the, the advice that I would have is, you need to be more confident than you feel for sure um, and and go in with a mindset um, almost like some of perhaps your male counterparts would, thinking that they have a company that's totally um, valuable and worth the funding source that they're sitting across from. And so, you know, a couple of the statistics that I think are interesting is that women aren't asking for as much as men are when they go in and ask for for an investment in their company. We know that in the um, in the debt area that women usually ask for thirty five thousand dollars less in credit than um, male business owners do. And we know that they often have half as much funding to start their companies. And the majority of women owned businesses don't get any equity funding at all. So I think that we have to be confident in our display of our business plan. And I think that we also have to think about um, asking for more because Asking for more is in and of itself a sign of confidence that you think that you deserve that investment, deserve that funding. And one of the things that I often say um, to myself, even when you hear a no, is that you're not pushing yourself hard enough if you're not hearing a lot of no's. So just take the no's as a sign that you're on the right course and that you're really stretching for the next thing. That's a positive spin indeed. I think asking for what you want, no one's going to read your mind. You got to go out there and ask it. You might hear a few no's, but all you need is that one yes, as that book says. That's for sure. And not to mention, you don't have to like doing it. You just have to do it. You just have to go and ask. You don't have to enjoy Mm -hmm. asking. Maybe you'll eventually get to the place where you do enjoy asking for what you're looking for, but like is something entirely separate. (laughs) I I do think it's challenging to, to like the process. We just have to make sure we're diligent and disciplined about doing it. And um, I think the same goes for any business. You know, there are parts of your parts of your job and parts of your parts of your your professional life that you like more than others. And the ones that we don't like, I think we have to have more discipline around. Exactly. Adrian, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'd like you for t- to take our fun funding quiz. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs, drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with Adrian Penta, Executive Director of the Center of Women and Wealth, who's going to take our fun funding quiz. You ready, Adrian? Sure. What's the best funding advice you ever heard? 
ask for more. Worst funding advice you ever heard. Hmm. Don't advocate for yourself. Fill in the blank. Funding can buy. Resources, scale, the right people. Fill in the blank. Funding can't buy. Vision, discipline, strategy. And if you want a million dollars after tax, what would you fund? Hmm. It's a great question. And at different points in my life, I've had different answers to that question. Um, I have young kids, so I love the innovation that's going on around um, services for new moms and better um, better, better breast pumping and better childcare. And so it would probably be something at the intersection of work life and home life. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Adrian. Thank you. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy our podcast? Then listen in your car. Before you start down the road, just sync your smartphone using Bluetooth or plug into the USB port. Got Apple CarPlay? Just tap on the podcast app and search for WSJ. So the next time you're getting behind the wheel, take us along and enjoy the ride. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. Coming soon from the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts.